The plot thickens, the drama intensifies, and intentions become illuminated. Jesus at every moment walks like a lamb among wolves. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is the victim of interrogation after interrogation, question after question, test after test. There is no place to lay his head to find rest because the wicked are lurking. Last Sunday, some disciples of the Pharisees were sent to interrogate Jesus about the census tax. Coming to him with their pride, thinking they would entrap him, they left amazed. He reminded them who they were and whose they were. They were struck by the truth that they belonged to God and bore his image. So now the Pharisees themselves, a little more confident, they themselves approach him. They had heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. The Sadducees were another sect of Judaism. And they had posed a question to Jesus about the resurrection. The conclusion of that encounter, they left astonished at his teaching coming to test him, leaving only to be astonished. Planning another attack, though, the Pharisees gathered together, intimidation by numbers, and a scholar of the law steps forward and asks this question. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And our Lord, he doesn't take the first of the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses, nor does he cite one of the 600 laws found in the first five books of the Old Testament. Rather, he goes straight to the heart of the matter. He goes straight to the essence of the law. He quotes Scripture to them, a passage straight from Deuteronomy, a passage of Scripture that they would have recited every day, three times a day. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And then another passage from the book of Leviticus, quoting scripture once again, Jesus says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, our Lord Jesus illuminates the true essence of all the scriptures of all the laws, of all the commands of God. And he says, the whole law and the prophets depend, literally hang on these two commandments, love of God and love of neighbor. Simple, yet profound. But how quickly do these words slip right past us? how quickly we dismiss them as obvious and self-evident, yet how slow we are to follow them. So why? Why so quick to dismiss and yet so slow to follow? Love God, love your neighbor. Is it not because everywhere we go, all day, every day, 
we hear this, I love that. I love this. I love, I love, I love, I love. We hear this passage, we hear this all the time. I love, I love. Love is tossed around like the childish game of hot potato. It goes with everything, yet it means nothing. Have we lost the depth and the substance of the word love? I think we have. You see, what's more disturbing, I think, is that when we use this phrase, I love, we often talk about those things that only bring us enjoyment. You see, we love them insofar as they bring us pleasure and comfort. This love demands return. This love demands a reward. This love hates sacrifice. St. Maximilian Kolbe once said, Let us remember that love lives through sacrifice and is nourished by giving. Without sacrifice, there is no love. Now let us hear the words of Jesus once again with that in mind. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You see, my brothers and sisters, love arises when one does not know how to live without which that he loves. He or she will do anything it takes. He or she will sacrifice anything so as to obtain it, to behold it, to think about it, and to please it. In the words of St. Thomas Aquinas, he who loves God transfers his whole self into him and expends his strength upon him. In July of 1941, a man from a bunker in the concentration camp of Auschwitz escaped. And in order to, to discourage escapees, Auschwitz had a rule, and that is if someone escaped, Ten more would be killed in retaliation. The fugitive has not been found, the commander Carl Fritz screamed. You will all pay for this. Ten of you will be locked in the starvation bunker without food or water until they die. The prisoners trembled in terror. They were lined up. The ten were selected, including a man named Francis Gajonaza. And he was in prison for helping the Polish resistance. And as his name was called out, he cried out, my poor wife. He began to sob, my poor children, what will they do? When he uttered this cry of dismay, a man stepped silently forward, took off his cap, and stood before the commander and said, I am a Catholic priest. Let me take his place. I am old. He has a wife and children. Astounded, the icy-faced Nazi commander asked, What does this Polish pig want? The man pointed with his hand towards Francis, the condemned man, and repeated, 
I am a Catholic priest from Poland. I would like to take his place. This man who took his place would survive the starvation bunker for weeks without any food or water. Then he would die for that man. This man was named Maximilian Kolbe. You see, he didn't just say those words that I quoted moments ago. He lived them. He loved through sacrifice, ultimately the greatest sacrifice, that is, his life. Our brothers and sisters, each day you and I were called to be lovers, lovers of God, lovers of our neighbor, that is, examples, witnesses that love, true love, requires sacrifice. That is, each day, you and I, we silently step forward so as to not remain in line with the world, to say that I'm going to live life of true love, love that is sacrificial, love that gives of itself, love that has no demand for return because we do not conform to the world's definition of love. Our love of God, if it's authentic, will require sacrifice. Our love of neighbor, if it is true, will require sacrifice. For to love without sacrifice is to not to love at all. And we see that most profoundly in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the question for all of us today, this afternoon, throughout this week, is this. Where is there sacrifice needed in my love? Where can I offer sacrifice this week? Can I sacrifice a little time of entertainment so as to give a few more minutes with God in prayer? Can I sacrifice having the last word in a discussion or maybe argument with my spouse? Can I sacrifice maybe my own time of comfort so as to give a little more time to listen to my husband or wife, to give a little more time to my children, to give a little more time to that man, that homeless man on the side of the road who's asking for something? Can I sacrifice maybe just $5 for him who wants something to eat? What will be your sacrifice this week? What will be your sacrifice for God? What will be your sacrifice for your neighbor? In short, the question is, how will you love God and your neighbor? But you see, there's an irony in all this. There's a profound irony, and that's this, that when we truly love God for his own sake, when we love our neighbor as ourself, when we love seeking not to demand a return, a reward, the irony lies in the words of Jesus, who says to us, whoever loves me will keep my word, and whoever loves me, my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. That, my brothers and sisters, is a reward worth loving for.